0: Ignition sequence start. Three, two, one. Range is hot. Lock and load. It's time for the Gun Rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gun Rack, North Institute School of Farm Technologies official podcast. I'm Josiah Upper Folk. Call me Joey and today we've got some fun for you. We're going to talk about concealed carry for the bigger guys out there and for those of you who are not bigger maybe listen anyway just just vibe with with the struggles that we have to go through okay.
0: Listen anyone Um, can become bigger.
1: That's true for those of you who are smaller you are simply bigger in training but we have uh, a lot of good stuff for you today including that but before we get into that let's get into some clues because drew poplin is on the clues drew's clues what do we got today
0: all right so last week's answer was the heckler and cock g3 this week Heck
1: yeah
0: oh we like that we like that this week this semi-automatic rifle was designed by a soviet small arms designer in 1945 it shoots 7.62 by 39 millimeter. It was first imported into the United States in 1988. And due to a high volume of Chinese imports, quickly became a cheap and desirable option. Its feet system is a 10-round stripper clip with an internal box magazine. What firearm am I talking about?
1: Ooh, That should be an easy one. We'll see. We'll see how people do. I am. Um, that was the first rifle I ever got good with. That is the first, I didn't, you can, we've actually talked about them before. For those of you who have been listening for a long time, you can bubba these guys up. Drew, do you know what ing is?
0: No, actually.
1: It's when you take it, especially a gun like that that's older, right? That's pure and good. And you just smush it with like plastic and aesthetic atrocities (laughs) to, to make it more tactical or whatever. So you could take... The Archangel variant is pretty good, but you can take like a Mosin-Nagant, for example, and you can swap it up with some, you know, really crappy plastic chassis and all this other, you just take this, um, or you can stick a, a rear sight optic Picatinny mount on it, which I have done to one, God forgive me. And those, are, those aren't the worst of all of them. The examples with the Mosin-Nagant aren't as bad as they can get. This firearm, which I'm pretty proud of having gotten pretty quick, because I cannot see the answers at the moment. Um, is responsible for some of the worst Bubba's you'll ever see. And that in itself is kind of a hint. This one has a rep for that. But I also owned the uh, civilian version of the G3 back in the day, or its derivative. That is a gun I'll never own again. Really? Um, yeah. So they have the the derivative. You get the nice derivative, which is a PTR. And then Century Arms has the Set Me 308. They import that. And the Setme is famous for lack of quality in its imports. Um, I have heard that that quality uh, has increased of late, but I'm not going to darken its doorways again. I think I picked up a Setme for 650 bucks, and it never functioned once. And I sent it back to Century Arms. And they fixed it and sent it back, and it broke again. I never got a chance to fire a single round out of it. Oh, that's um, so sad. I was so mad. Yeah, I found someone, fortunately, who knew what they were doing a little better than me, and we did it that way. I'm sure they got lots of love and joy out of it. But, yeah, chambered in 308, it's a big thing. Um, a lot of people call it a battle rifle. It is a heavy sucker. Really kind of a cool gun, actually. But, yeah, both of these firearms are, the G3 is not so much near and dear to my heart now, but uh, I've owned both. I think I still have one in deep in my in my vault of secrets. I definitely do. I can't believe I forgot about that. How stupid is that? I have one of these two, and it's the one in question because I got rid of my seven. Anyway, uh, before we hop into Concealed Carry for Fat People, as we depart Drew's Clues, let's talk a little bit about Sonoran Desert Institute. Drew, what is Sonoran Desert Institute?
0: Well, Sonora Desert Institute is an online school. We are accredited by the Distance Education Accrediting Commission. Commission. Commission, otherwise known as the DEAC. We specialize in firearms technology and unmanned slash uncrewed technology. Um, We have an associate's program and a certificate program in our firearms school. That is the Certificate in Firearms Technology, Gunsmithing, and the Associates of Science in Firearms Technology. Both of those great programs. And if you want to know a little bit more about SDI, I encourage you, go to our website, check us out, check through our course catalogs, kind of see what you can get into. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to our admissions team. They are lovely people, and I'm sure they would be happy to talk with you.
1: Absolutely. FBI.EDU is a place for you to be right now. No matter what, if you're flying a plane, you get a pass. Everyone else, FBI.EDU, get there or get square. Now, let's talk about the the subject of the day: concealed carry for bigger people. Why is that different than regular concealed carry? Well, for one thing. What we need to take it into consideration here, how many people that applies to, right? Uh, I believe it's a third of uh, Americans are obese at the moment or considered obese by the, uh, the little BMI chart, which is a, uh, an absolute fabrication of it. Yeah, BMI is, is absolute nonsense. But the point is, there are quite a few people overweight in this country. And uh, obese and technically overweight aren't even the same thing. That number is even higher according to that metric. And everybody carries differently according to the particular needs of their body, where things can hide. Just like the same same reason certain guns feel better in other people's hands or, or worse in certain people's hands, the way that you carry a firearm is going to be tough too. Um, there are two particular categories that I'm thinking of in this case, but there are all sorts of different ways we can go into this. There is something I'll tell you guys as a as an overweight person. Uh, when we initially conceptualized this episode, which was uh, quite a few months ago now, I've lost forty pounds since then with with trumpet and fanfare. But I'm still heavy, which tells you how uh, <laughs> how bad things were there for a minute. But the point is, I've done. I've I can still carry. I conceal carry a lot and I've concealed carried uh, at different weights throughout my life. Now I'm, you know, I would probably not consider myself obese, but still overweight. Earlier this year, I was very obese and uh, I've even concealed carried at, uh, at a weight that's, that's a little healthier. So I've had the whole range and it's different. I will tell you right now, emphatically, it is different. Depending on how your body is built. And for those of you who have experienced that along with me, same same thing. I'm sure you have felt that as well. Drew, in case you guys are hopping on for the first time here or haven't hopped on in a while, Drew is a gun fan, but he is not a concealed carrier yet. I know that's something we've talked about maybe doing sometime down the line, but it's not a thing yet, unless I'm mistaken.
0: Not yet. No. Um I'm getting married here in like three weeks. Uh, Heck
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. But uh, money right now is pretty tight, obviously. So I'd imagine here probably in December, I'm seriously going to be looking at some concealed carry options. Heck yeah, dude. And because of this wedding, I feel like me and Joey are almost ships in the night as far as weight is going. Joey is losing weight and uh, I've been stress eating like a, like a bad mamajama. So, uh... yeah, I feel that. I feel that deeply.
1: I finally found out the trick to stress or to counter stress eating, at least for me, is I also stress pace. Like I just mm. walk up and down. And uh, quite a few times in the past couple of months, my stress pacing alone has gotten me past 10,000 steps in a day. Ooh. Um, I'll stress pace upwards of like four miles a day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> especially at the, uh, we started a new job, which we talked about just a little bit earlier. I'm not going to you know, plug them on here. That doesn't seem uh, particularly cash money of me, but uh, it's a new job. And I love that, but new jobs have adjustment periods and I want to be sure I'm doing a good job. And there's, you know, you start a new job, there's some stress involved, even if it's a good job with good people, which this one happens to be. And I'm super grateful for that. So, a lot of stomping up and down the ground. Uh, we've talked about doing theater. I memorize by pacing, the whole thing. Walking around is um, every bit as powerful in a lot of ways as small amounts of, of other cardio would be. That's
0: pretty cool, I think. Yes. Yeah, so, so, you're telling me if I just start pacing in my room like I'm Edgar Allan Poe being tortured by a story I want to write, that can work.
1: It can, it's worked for me.
0: Awesome. Have almost to keep all, that alone. I've,
1: yep. I've cut down the comfort food now, but the first, I don't know, 15 pounds were just, there was no changes in diet whatsoever. It was just walking around. But anyway, there are all sorts of different kind of modes of caring. We've talked about different positions before inside the waistband, outside the waistband, all of which have individual merits, some of which are recommended for people that are a little bigger, some of which are a little more difficult to be weirdly personal on the podcast, at my heaviest weight, I was 276 pounds. There are people in the world that were definitely heavier than I am, but there are uh, most of the world was significantly lighter than I am, especially at the height that I was or am. I'm about 5'9", so I was hanging out about 85 pounds overweight. It's Not a good look, but that's weirdly personal. But just to give you a concept of where we're at, you know, in terms of how things fit, uh, you can kind of reckon. Reconcile that with your frame and where you're at size-wise. But there's a concept that I can't remember who it was. I was looking around on YouTube doing some research for this a while back, and this guy coined the term the 300th parallel. And the 300th parallel, as he put it, is the constricted waistline you have if you weigh more than 300 pounds, where your gut is hanging over it and your thighs are expanding under it which makes it exceptionally difficult to conceal carry in that area. And as I just said, I didn't weigh quite that much. So I don't quite have that, but I understand the like love handles make it hard to conceal carry on your side. They just Mm. do, right? If they're low enough, they will push the grip or the handle out, I don't know why I keep saying grip. They will take the butt of your handgun and and punch it out to the side, which makes three o'clock carry specifically an increasingly difficult proposition appendix carry, you've got a gut that is hanging over, which makes it difficult to draw from and can be very uncomfortable. The guy, there were, I did a few videos together to kind of research this thing out. So I'm trying to remember if it's the same guy. I think it was. He concealed carry at his appendix. So it is possible, but I have tried it multiple times and I've never once found it comfortable or like acceptable in any way, shape or form. I know for most people, that concealed carry appendix is, is king. But for me, it's just never been comfortable. And my gut has been a large component of that. I haven't tried it since I've lost, you know, half as much as I'm supposed to. Maybe I will when I, when I trim down even further. We'll see. Uh, I do not get the appeal at all. One of the things also worth paying attention to this kind of thing, when you've got love handles, when you've got a gut, etc. cetera. And there's no judgment here. When you are carrying, you might want a holster that goes up and covers all of the side of your handgun that is facing your body. The grooves in your slide that make it easier to chamber around that you use to, you know, prime the weapon or firearm can dig into your side. But much more than that, if you are using a hammer fired handgun that hammer can dig into you like nobody's business. And that can really hurt. That's the thing in appendix carry that's so painful. That's the thing on three o'clock carry that's been so painful for me historically. That is, it is possible to do it uh, without that issue. And what you have to do in that case is have a a holster that's going to cover that hammer if if your gut comes out and over that handgun. Something to keep in mind. For the record, we want to thank Nate Holsters. They sent me a, I sent out an all call to a couple of holster companies and Nate Tactical sent us a holster, sent me a holster specifically with this concept in mind. And I've tested it out a few times. It is incredibly comfortable. It is a very comfortable holster. It's got kind of a, I think it's a neoprene backing. And then a plastic—I don't think it's even a Kydex uh, container uh, for the trigger guard and everything. Mm-hmm. But the thing that the that holster has that I have an issue with is um, you have to move the handle of the gun a little bit to get it to. There's like a locking mechanism that you have to unlock to draw it. Mm-hmm. It is my under, having seen a lot of people do it. It is definitely something you can get used to. Uh, but I will say that mechanism and getting used to it, and I've tried quite a few times, has been what has prevented me from making that my daily holster. So it's on my to-do list to do that a little more. Mm -hmm. Um, It was so nice of them to send it. They have a lot of people that love them deeply out there. So a lot of pluses for Nate Tactical, but I do not wear it currently, and that is why. Uh, If I get to the point where I can do that regularly, I will update you guys, and I will be more than happy to plug them. I've known about them for a long time, and they also have, if you're not interested in that, they have a cloth trigger guard that you can purchase, and that's pretty normal for them. So you can do it, leave there. It does cover your trigger guard still. I didn't. That was one of the things I could have asked for. I like a good kydex or leather around it on principle, which is why I did not do it, but something to keep in mind if you're so interested that's my little Nate Holster spiel.
0: Yeah, that was very nice of them.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. But anyway, that kind of eliminates three o'clock carry a lot for me. Not completely.
0: Uh, it
1: completely eliminates appendix carry for me as a bigger guy. So there's some other options here. I'm going to talk about cross draw and shoulder holsters for a minute. And these have, I think we've mentioned this not too long ago, your gut and the amount of of excess body weight you carry in your chest can prohibit a smooth or timely draw in a cross-draw position. Because essentially what you have to do is draw around your circumference, over your, the front of your body, to safely withdraw your firearm in both cases. So you have to go around your middle to get your firearm from a cross-draw belt and you have to go across your uh, chest to get it from a shoulder holster. If your arms are long, uh, not, a, you know, everybody's built different. If your arms are long, it matters less. If you're like me, my arms are a little short, but mostly proportional to my height. And I happen to be short. And you have a gut. I had to lose. It's, it's practical now. And I'll tell you guys now that I am about 45 pounds overweight. than it was, uh, it was not at all practical when I was 85 pounds overweight, it was like, I thought a shoulder holster was super cool. And then it was just like, it was so difficult to draw. It was prohibitive. And all of this, uh, talking about this to hundreds of people is incredibly embarrassing, but I think it's helpful. So we're sharing it. Those are things you want to keep in mind in this particular context. So we're
0: kind of,
1: I'm checking off things that we don't want to have um, if we want to be 100% the whole time and I think we've done that with quite a few we have a couple left we've gotten rid of appendix carry three o'clock carry and cross draws that leaves four and five o'clock carry and then straight small of back carry straight small of back carry has a lot of detractors out there and there are some legit reasons for that if you try to sit with small of back you will have a bad time, long-term, like as someone with a bad back, you can really screw up. The, the weight pressed into your spine is, is a bad look. If you are walking around and you have small of back carry, things start to open up a little bit, a little bit more options there. So it is an option. I think the best option for my overweight concealed carry boys and girls out there, and once again, I said this before in this podcast, but no judgment to you, four and five o'clock carry, I have found to be the most conducive to comfort, to concealability, and to expediency. You should be able to comfortably draw from your four or five o'clock. There's a reason that's popular with everyone, not just overweight people. It should be a little more comfortable if, you're, uh, if your love handles aren't particularly large, and there's no judgment again if there are. You should be able to draw around them pretty comfortably, but it eliminates the complete Pain that can be your straight smaller back. So that is my spiel on concealed carry in terms of position. In terms of holsters, outside the waistband is almost always going to be more comfortable. But as we've mentioned before, outside the waistband is not as conducive to concealed carry. It just isn't, right? So if you can avoid the outside the waistband, if it's the only thing you can do and you need to wear layers to concealed carry, then that's what you got to do. If you can avoid it, what we can do is inside the waistband holster with a holster that can cover the hammer, if you have a hammer-fired gun, or just the general side of your gun so you're not causing irritation, or sweating into it, which can cause corrosion. That's not even a big guy thing. That's just, you know, massive humidity around your gun It's not a good look. So if you can do Nate and that system works for you, that's something that can work. Some sort of uh, hybrid holster is generally gonna be my recommendation, period. You can get some Kydex holsters that are sufficiently comfortable for this kind of thing. They can poke you if they're too long. Uh, They can kind of poke your side, but there are definitely some options out there. I am not a huge fan of alien gear personally, but I will tell you I own some, and sometimes it's the most comfortable thing to wear. So it's possible. So that is my spiel on concealed carry for, for the heavy. If you have any additional questions about this, please feel free to send questions to marketing at FDI.edu. We're gonna absolutely do some follow-ups on this. I think we would have a great time. That is all for me on the gun rack today, but we're about to hand it off to Drew Poplin for the Tales from the Range and a little FDI plug before we head out today.
0: All right, thank you very much, Joey. And so let's go on to Tales from the Range. Tales, Tales from the Range. All right, this comes from sksboard.com, user RoadkillRus. Not sure what that means, and I don't think I wanna know. So Roadkill says, a while back my wife and I had our Remington Viper 22LR at the local indoor range. Next to us were a couple guys with a civilian AK and a SKS. One guy was shooting the SKS for the first time and hadn't really shot much, period. 25 yards, he was all over the paper. My wife, getting used to a scope all over again, somehow ended up aiming at his target. I noticed after a couple shots and got her attention. She pointed out to the second guy next door who was watching his friend try to stay on paper what happened and said she apologized when he stopped shooting. He looked at the target. The smaller holes were in the eight and nine ring. He said, and eh, don't worry. he will just think you got a little better. I wonder why the holes are smaller near the center. So at least they had a good attitude about it. Uh, and that was our tales from the range. And before we go real quick, just going to talk one more time about SDI. Now, Obviously, I worked for SDI. Joey has a strong affiliation with SDI. So you may be wondering, you know, know, obviously, you guys are going to be plugging the school. Why should I trust you? And that's a fair question. However, I would encourage you go to our website, www.sdi.edu slash news. And there, go to our grad features tab. Go there and you can hear from students and from graduates who have attended SDI have gone through our programs and they have great things to say. Finishing one up, actually, is Zach Brocal or Brocal. I talked with him a couple months ago. Really cool dude, great taste in music. Uh, so that should be coming out really soon. But yeah, so go over to www.sdi.edu/news, go to the Grad Features tab, and see for yourself what people are saying about our school and how it helped them grow as a gunsmith. And with that, that concludes our episode. Y'all, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone who keeps supporting and listening to the podcast. If you like what you're hearing and you want more people here, share it with your friends. Uh, We'd love to have them be a part of the community, too. But until next time, I'm Drew Poplin. This is The Gun Rack. Have fun out there. Stay safe. And we will see you at the range. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. It is headquartered at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.